going to be in John chapter 6, continuing through the series that we've been in since the beginning of the year. Today I'll be in verses 47 through 51, uh, which I said was four verses this morning. It's five. So five verses this morning. All right. So yeah, as we get started, turn to John 6. Um, and if you have a phone and you're using your Bible on your phone, don't have a problem with that. Just airplane mode it for me because I get distracted super easy. So before we look at our text in, in John 6, I want to give you some context um, as to kind of what's, what's gone down thus far in, in John chapter 6. Basically, Jesus fed the 5,000, right? And uh, after he fed the 5,000, he travels to Capernaum and He's got these people pursuing him because they saw the miracle and they want to see more. The problem with the text leading up to this is that the people that Jesus is talking to want a Savior that's out to gratify their perceived needs, right? He's fed them physically, and they want more. They want more of what they perceive they need, right? They were fed physically. And as we jump into the text, um, I want to I open with the reality that Oftentimes, as Christians, we, we tend to look at our needs and, and believe that what we know of our needs is, is greater than what God knows of our needs. And so we seek after Christ, seeking the needs that we perceive for ourselves rather than the needs that God has clearly laid out in Scripture. And so as we jump into the text, we're, we're going in reading of a people that that believe they know their needs better than God does. The people in the text didn't. Let me be super clear, uh, just in case you're wondering. We've seen from them so far in John 6 and verse 24 a wrongful pursuit of Jesus, right? They're following because they want what they, can, what they think they can get from him. In 32 and 34, we see a general lack of understanding. And you guys can go back and read these verses. I'm not going to this morning. But um, in 41, we see frustration. He's not giving them what they want. And not, not just a frustration, like a genuine grumbling of like, what is happening? Why, like, why are you not just giving us this bread that you're speaking of? And this is why in our text, Jesus is reiterating what he's already said to the people. That in verse 35, I'm the bread of life. And in 38, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And in this, there isn't, in my message today, there isn't anything that I'm going to say that hasn't already been said by Pastor David, in the last couple weeks. There's no new revelation from God that I'm going to bring to the table for his church. Um, but in my study, I, I discovered something that is profound and beautiful. And my hope this morning is that through the preaching of God's word, you would hear God just lay down the truth of who he is and what he has done. And as Jesus is going to speak, we find that there's never an issue in communicating gospel repetitiveness. Because regardless of how many times truth is repeated, it's still powerful truth. So there, there, there's going to be stuff this morning that, that has been said in the last couple weeks. But again, regardless of how many times truth is repeated, it's still powerful truth. And so today, what I hope to communicate in my breakdown of the text is this, that Jesus is the bread of life, that we may eat and not die, but have life in him forever. And so if you're taking notes, those are your fill in the blanks, 
But before we get into the text, I want to pray. So I'm, I'm going to do that. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word, to handle your word. And God, as, as we dig in, if there's something in my notes that you want hidden from me or something you don't want me to speak, make me blind to it. And God, if there is something that you want spoken that I don't have written down, that you would just fill me to the point of it overflowing. God, I thank you for the opportunity to gather, to bring glory to your name, and to continue to grow closer to you. Father, in this time, we, we seek after you and your glory. And so let it be you that we set our eyes upon. And I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So 47 through 48. That's where we're going to start. But I'm going to read the whole text. So starting in verse 47, chapter 6. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. And this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So where I want to begin this morning is with who's speaking these words. It's not just any man saying, believe and you'll have eternal life. If I stood before you on my own accord, right, just Colton, just me, not reading the words of Jesus, and with no biblical pretense and foundation in the word of God, there's nothing that I have to offer. There's nothing I bring to the table. If I stand before you not reading the words of Jesus, there's nothing that I have to offer. But the reason we, we don't take this, or the reason we take this text seriously is because it's the word that became flesh speaking truly and truthfully. It's not Paul. It's not James, it's not John, it's not David, it's not me, it's not anybody else. It's God in human flesh saying from firsthand experience, if you believe you will have eternal life. That's incredible because that's a promise and a statement that we can hold to because of the source. And that's what Jesus means when he says to them, truly, truly, I say to you. Nobody else. I. And when he says, whoever believes has eternal life, that promise isn't small, is it? No, it's not small. And it's not a promise that anyone else can make. How many of you guys have seen, uh, I said it in the first service, so I'll say it again. How many of you guys have seen the movie Elf with Will Ferrell? It's almost Christmas time. Yeah movie's hilarious. So in Elf, there's a scene, for those of you that haven't seen it, where he's, he's walking down uh, the city street, and he's kind of ignorant and, and unaware of cultural norms and societal norms. He's walking down the street, and he sees on the side of this cafe, world's best cup of coffee. And so he bursts in the door. Congratulations! You did it! Not knowing that it's not the world's best cup of coffee. He takes someone there later, and, and she, uh, she drinks the cup of coffee, and he's like, how is it? She's blindfolded, and he's like, tastes like a crummy cup of coffee. 
but he wholeheartedly believes that it's, it's the world's best cup of, cup of coffee because that's the advertising on the sign. Right? Like that, the only backing for that sign is the sign itself, is a claim. There's nothing backing that statement. There's nothing validating that. There's nothing fulfilling that. This text is fulfilled by God that, that came in flesh. It's firsthand. So we can hold to that because he's the only one that can fulfill that promise. And so moving forward, the, the statement of belief equals eternal life. What belief is that talking about? It's not talking about a belief that stems from what you or I can get or gain. It's not talking about a belief that just identifies with but doesn't sacrificially pursue. In the end, those types of belief are all about self. It's not about the Savior. That type of belief is about self-satisfaction, self-gratification, self-pursuit. And it's selfish. It's not Savior-driven. Belief that is true resides in Christ alone. And belief that is false resides in literally anything else. False belief is the idea that anything else is going to satisfy, fulfill, or save you. It's a stock placed in things like family, friends, or possessions. Not that those are inherently bad. I'm not going to stand here and, and say you shouldn't have friends, you should abandon your family. There are circumstances where God calls you to that. But those things, it's the belief that those things are going to bring happiness or peace alone outside of Christ. That's a false belief. The reality is that Christ alone is all that is necessary and capable Two part, necessary and capable of saving and giving eternal life. So I'm going to repeat that. The reality is that Christ alone, alone, is all that is necessary and capable of saving and giving eternal life. See, as sinful human beings, we have a tendency to put stock into things that produce nothing of eternal worth for us. We look at our households. And think if I just get a better job, it'll solve all of these problems financially and we'll be so much happier. We look at bigger homes and nicer cars and believe that having those things, chasing after those things will bring fulfillment. We look at our relationships and think if I just do better at communicating, everything is going to be better. Even in my preaching and different aspects of leadership, I have fallen prey to the idea that a seminar or another book will just get me to the point that I need to reach to be an effective communicator. Can I just tell you that that's garbage? And it's simply not true. If it's not Christ, it's nothing. It's just another drop in the bucket of your efforts to be better and do better. When all that God asks, all that God asks is for us to submit to his authority and his leadership, and stop doing it on our own. And do you know why? Because it's already been accomplished on the cross. Everything of value that is needed for eternity has been given to you by God. And not for your glory or for your joy, but for his. This is why Jesus says in verse 48, I am the bread of life. 
when he says this, he's saying, I'm the only one capable of nourishing and sustaining the only spiritual food that you need. And so there's a question that has to be kind of asked here. Are you seeking after nourishment in the bread of life, that being Jesus, or in something else? If Jesus is the only one capable of nourishing and sustaining, then are you seeking after him or something else? In verse 49, we see Jesus speak to what happens when we're only seeking after our physical needs. He says in verse 49, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they what? Anybody? They died. They died. I mean, I don't mean to be blunt, but seeking our physical needs alone brings death. I guess I do mean to be blunt. Now, it's not to say that the nourishment and provision isn't from God. See, when, when, the, when the fathers were fed, when they were given manna, that was from God. That was provision, right? But it wasn't capable of offering what God in the flesh is. As we see in the text, the bread of life, which is Christ, came down so that we may eat of it and not die, so that we may gain eternal life. This is what is communicated in verse 50. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. This, this passage, the beautiful thing in this is there's a frustration and an intention for Jesus. They're still not getting it because he's repeating here when he says, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. This is rep- repetition from what he has said earlier. And I have to imagine there's some frustration. So in first service, I'm going to share a story with you guys. In first service, I shared a story about my wife, and I had consent, so I'm going to lead with that. I have consent from Emily to share this. When we were dating, uh, she had a a laptop that I'd given her. It was an older MacBook, and uh, it was super slow, not super efficient, a terrible laptop, but it was functional. So she used it. She didn't have one. And... uh, it was like six months later, so I had traded David for another one, for a newer, faster, just nicer laptop. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to give this gift to Emily. She needs a new laptop, right? So I go to Emily, and I'm like, here, I have this, I have this new laptop. And she looks at me, and she's like, I don't, I don't want that. And I was like, it's better. Why would you not want this? And uh, she's like, well, the one I have works functional. It's like, but this is better. Take this one. (laughs) And we argued for a long time. And I got frustrated because what I was offering was better. Not like me personally, but the laptop was better. Eventually she took it and uh, about a week later she came to me. It is better. (laughs) What? It, 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 It is better. So uh, this isn't the first time that Jesus is contending for them to understand that, that he is the bread of life. But they're still not getting it. And the beautiful part of this passage is that, like, while I was compelled to give up and just keep the laptop myself, Jesus wasn't. And thank God he wasn't. So they're still not getting it, and yet he is still desiring to bring clarity to their lack of understanding. 
they still see him as the bread giver and not the bread of life. But he doesn't leave them in their lack of understanding and simply say, good luck, you might figure it out. I'm going to keep this. He continues to point them to what is true, and that's himself. See, the focus of those present was on, again, on what they knew of their father's experience, of what their father's experienced back in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus. And what they saw Jesus do earlier at the beginning of John 6 was bring bread down from heaven to feed them physically. And so this is the lens that they're seeing Jesus through. They're missing Jesus, and they just want a new Moses. Again, they're fixed on satisfying their physical needs and not on eternal things. The reality is that we don't have to operate in the same thinking, misunderstanding as the people in the text. We get to read this and see and understand who Jesus is. That's the privilege that we have in the full revelation of God's word. What this also means is that there's no excuse and there's no ability to plead ignorance. There's no excuse and there's no ability to plead ignorance because Christ is clear. I am the bread of life. And so that begs the question, are you believing in Jesus as the bread of life? You can't really argue that it's clear in scripture that he is. Do you believe that? Because as we read in the following verse, Jesus says in 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Again, this, this points us to the deity of Christ. That the point of his redemptive work is planned out by God from the beginning to save man from sin. That Jesus is God in the flesh. The full manifestation and perfect fulfillment of the promise that God made to his people to bring back to himself. I want to point out that Christ repeats himself again here in 51a from what he previously said in verse 48, making the point, see, because all of this, all of this is null and void if Jesus isn't who Jesus says he is, making the point that he is able to claim deity and therefore fulfill that promise. So this is why what Jesus continues to say in verse 51, that if anyone eats this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. It comes down to what Jesus has been saying all along and what he's going to continue to say in the rest of John 6. Nothing but the bread of life, nothing but belief in Jesus can save you. So we've got to recognize what we're consuming what we're seeking after. And if it even is truly Jesus, the, the eternal substance that will satisfy and save. See, because ultimately it's Christ alone who saves. And to pursue anything else is null and void. This is abundantly clear. Jesus understands what they're seeking and he knows what they want, right? They're seeking after a savior that's going to provide for their physical needs, not their souls. And he knows that. But he's laying before them what is of far greater value, what is of eternal value. 
And so today, we can either believe in Christ, which is life, or believe in our own wants and desires, which is outside of Christ and ultimately leads to death. We have a tendency in kind of the, the American Christian culture to take that last portion of verse 51 and do something with it, something that's not biblical and not beneficial. I'm going to read that portion again that I'm talking about, 51b. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. That last portion. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. We have a tendency to remove the word life and insert whatever we want. And read it in the bread that I will give for the happiness of the world. The bread that I will give for the joy of the world. The bread that I will give for the comfort of the world is my flesh. Is that what it says in the text? No. The bread, the flesh, the life that Jesus gave was for your eternal soul and for God's glory. Nothing sustains but Christ. Nothing ever will, nothing ever has. And that's abundantly clear in our text. So we've got to recognize what we're pursuing, what we're making priorities. Because if it's not Jesus, it's nothing. So as we end our time, ask yourself, are you seeking after Jesus, the bread of life, or after some other provider of your perceived needs? Because ultimately, God has seen your need, your need for a Savior, and he's given you a great Savior for that need. Are you seeking after Jesus, the bread of life, or after some other provider of your perceived needs? And we're going to come to a close, and the worship band is going to come back up. And I'm going to pray in a moment. Uh, if, if you haven't been pursuing the bread of life, if you've made other priorities, and through the word of God, you've been compelled to alter that pursuit for what is God-glorifying. Come and talk to an elder at the end of service. Talk to somebody. Talk to me. Talk to David. Talk to Ty. Talk to somebody. And pursue Christ. Because ultimately, he's what satisfies and saves. And so I'm going to pray, and we're going to continue on in worship. Father, I...